Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Today I'm going to read Psalm 23 for you guys. God is my shepherd, and I miss little lamb. He feeds me, he guides me. He looks after me, I have everything I need. Inside my heart is very quiet, as quiet as lying still in soft green grass in a meadow by a little stream. Even when I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, I won't be afraid because my shepherd knows where I am. He is here with me. He keeps me safe. He rescues me. He makes me strong and brave. He is getting wonderful things ready for me, especially for me, everything I have ever dreamed of. He fills my heart so full of happiness, I can't hold it all inside. Wherever I go, I know. God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love will go to. Amen. Thank you, Bailey. If you could pray with me this morning. Dear Father, Lord, we're grateful that you are our good shepherd. And God, we come to your word today with open hearts, with open ears, willingly to surrender to you and your authority. God, I pray that you would use this time to magnify and glorify your name and not mine, and that we would leave this place with a better picture of the heart of our good shepherd and father. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said together, amen, amen. You can find a seat this morning. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Devin. I am our student pastor here at Grace Point. And to start us off, I have a question for you. If someone were to ask you, where does Jesus want to lead you? If someone were to ask you, where does Jesus want to lead you? How would you answer If the Christian life is all about surrendering to the authority and leadership of Jesus, then I think it means that it begs the question for us, what is Jesus, what is God like, and where exactly does God want to lead us? And I believe these two questions, what is God like, where does he want to lead us, are what rattles around in our heads constantly. When we finally get the space in our schedules to slow down, when we truly make time to listen to our thoughts, when we stop for just long enough for those deep internal questions to rise to the surface and be heard, I think it sounds often like, who is God? What is he like? In Dr. Martin Luther King's sermons, one of his sermons, he puts it this way. There is a desperate question on the lips of every individual. It is a poignant, insistent question. The question is simply this. What is God like? The majestic power that is the heartbeat of the cosmos, who is he This is the desperate, stinging, poignant question flowing from the lips of every man. And Jesus answered the question 
in terms that every man of his generation could understand. God, he says, is like a good shepherd. Jesus, God in flesh, describes himself as a good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verses 11, 14, and 15, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. I'm the good shepherd, and my sheep know me, and I know them. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. Which I think for Jesus' Jewish audience at that time would have brought them back to our psalm for today. Our main text, Psalm 23, a crucial psalm of King David who himself was a literal shepherd. So I think he knows a little bit about shepherding. And so we're going to break this down verse by verse together. And in Psalm 23, verse 1, David starts with an emphatic uh, declaration that says, The Lord is my shepherd. The first thing for us, if you are the person that takes notes, the first thing for us today is what type of good shepherd is God? He is a personal providing God. He's a personal and providing God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, uh, you really just, you love animals? Kids in the room, adults in the room, how many of you, you love animals? If you love animals, let me just tell you like, woo! Yes, okay, a few of you. Uh, yes, and so there's a lot of us that love animals. Uh, my wife and I, we love animals. We have three dogs of our own, uh, and it's craziness. But if you love animals, you've probably had to take care of animals before, right? Like none of us in the room today are probably full-time shepherds. Like that's not really a thing anymore. Maybe some of you are really into like Future Farmers of America, And you've got some like goats and cattle and stuff that you've got to take care for. Uh, But likely none of us are full-time shepherds. But it's a concept that's really easy for us to grasp. Kids in the room, adults in the room, everywhere in between. We can understand this. In fact, uh, children in the room, uh, we're going to talk a lot about sheep and shepherds today. And so I just want you for my sake and for your parents' sake, let out the best sheep noise that you can on the count of three, okay? One, two, three. (laughs) Yes, a lot of sheep today. Um, I grew up learning a song when I was your age that I just want to be a sheep. Ba, 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 ba. I don't know if they still uh, sing that anymore. I don't know. Uh, but this is a concept that we understand, right? When you are, when you own an animal, when you're caring for an animal, you do everything that you can to provide care, protection. You're helpful. You provide guidance. You discipline it sometimes, right? And you provide all kinds of love for your animals. And this is what a shepherd does, especially a good shepherd, all the time, 24-7. My daughter is three years old, or almost three, I should say. Uh, She loves the show uh, Doug Days on Disney. I don't know if any of you have seen this. It's a spinoff from the dog from Up. Uh, Highly recommend Up, but just fast forward the first like five minutes if you don't want to just end up sobbing. Um, Maybe it's just me. Uh, but so it's a spin-off, spin-off from this movie, and dog, the dog Doug wears this collar that uh, it allows him to speak English, to communicate with his owner, with the people around uh, him. And this may be a really silly example, but just bear with me. But if an animal 
is being cared for by their human, if a dog is being watched after uh, by their person, then I think if that animal could talk like Doug, that that animal would say, this is my human. There's an episode that I was just watching the other day of Doug, where Doug, the dog, walks into his owner and just lays at his feet, and he says, am I your pet? And the owner looks down at the dog and says, well, yeah, you are my pet, but you're also so much more than that. I know if you were to ask my dogs, if you were to walk into my house and say, hey, is this your human? My dogs, with as much excitement as possible, if they could speak English, they would declare, yes, this is my human. And I'm not even that great to them all the time, right? (laughs) But this is the kind of relationship and opportunity that we get to have with our God with our good shepherd. I mean, listen to the cry of David's heart when he says, he is my good shepherd. And all of us, if we choose to follow Jesus, to surrender to his authority, we get to say that as well. God is a personal providing shepherd. David doesn't say that he is the shepherd. He doesn't say that he is a shepherd. He doesn't say he's their shepherd. He says, no, the Lord is my shepherd. Everybody say my my. John reminds us that Jesus willingly laid down his life so that we as broken and sinful people can have a real personal relationship with the creator of the universe. And that is crazy. So that we, just like David, can say, he is my Shepherd, an eternally important question for you right now. Just one verse into this psalm is can I honestly say that Jesus is my shepherd? Not just a shepherd, not just the shepherd or their shepherd, but my shepherd. Can I honestly say that Jesus is my shepherd? C.S. Lewis writes this about this passage of Scripture. The whole meaning of the 23rd Psalm is contained in the words, the Lord is my shepherd. It sums up. The whole of Christianity, our pastures are green, not because the sky is always blue, but because God is our shepherd. You see, everything else in Psalm 23 flows from this starting point. Is Jesus your shepherd? The next verse describes the type of, the next verses describe the type of shepherd leader that God is, but it's important to note that great leadership, whether it's a, a A boss that you follow or a parent that you follow, good leadership is only as good as our willingness to follow. Or maybe we would word it this way, Jesus's leadership is only as powerful as the amount of room we make for him in our lives. Jesus's leadership is only as powerful as the amount of room we make for him in our lives. You see, I am used to leading myself. I like leading myself. I enjoy having control, even though it always ends me, it always leads me to broken places. It always leads me to uh, places that I don't want to be. Jesus wants to lead us, just like sheep in a field who follow the shepherd. We may not know where we are going at all times. We may not know where Jesus wants to guide and direct our steps. We may even be led into places that we don't want to go, but 
Jesus is the best type of leader there is. And we're going to look at that throughout the remainder of our time together. But we have to start with the question, if I am unwilling to follow, if I'm unwilling to surrender to Jesus's authority, then what good is his leadership to me? He could be the greatest leader of all time, and I believe that Jesus is, but I still have to be willing to follow his authority. And so I think maybe, just maybe, that if we can get a glimpse of the direction, if we can see the picture of where God wants to lead us, then perhaps it makes following him a little bit easier. Or maybe perhaps it stirs up in us a little bit more of a desire to follow the type of God that we get to follow. Let's keep reading. Psalm 23 continues. David says, I have all that I need. Again, personal providing God. I have all that I need. He goes on. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. The next thing I want you to notice together today is where does he want to lead us? He wants to lead us to rest. Everybody say rest. Rest. Crazy enough, sheep are really scared creatures. They're very scared creatures. They will not lie down. They will remain standing until the point of exhaustion until they feel completely safe, they feel completely fed, and they feel free from all tensions and pests. Basically, anything that bugs them. They will not rest until all of those things are gone. And man, if that doesn't sound like me, if that doesn't sound like us, And this is the promise of Jesus, that if we are tired or anxious or empty or in need of healing, Jesus's leadership is a promised place of rest. Y'all, leading myself is exhausting. It's exhausting. When I try to grab the reins and control, I wind up with more unmet needs. I wind up with more anxious thoughts. I wind up with more exhaustion. And Jesus continues to remind me, that, man, I want to lead you to a place of rest. Jesus wants to lead us to a place of rest where all our needs are met. Not all our wants, but all our needs. All our anxiousness gone in his presence, a truly deep and satisfying rest that we cannot experience outside of God's presence. I'm curious today, how many of you desire rest and peace? Yeah, my hand is up. This is where God's leadership, I think, sets him apart from anything else, from every other God, from every other religion, from every other uh, world leader, whatever you want to uh, say about it, because it's not work. It's rest. It does not start with work with God. It starts with rest. This is where our creation story begins. If you rewind our story back to Genesis, we see God creating everything, right? The dark, the sea, the land, the animals, the light, the plants, and then God creates us. Everybody say us. Turn to the person next to you and say, God created you. So God creates us, the humans, Adam and Eve, and what does God do next? He rests. You see, I've missed this truth for most of my relationship with God. When I was a younger believer, our relationship with God begins with rest. The seventh day in our creation story was the very first full day for Adam and Eve. And what happened on their first full day? They rested 
with God, present with the creator of the universe. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to be anyone important. It was simply remaining in God's presence. God saying, enjoy all my creation with me. So I told you I'm a father now, uh, have been for about two and a half years, and I can understand this better than ever before, and I've told my students the same thing, um, but my daughter's almost three. For those of you who have toddlers, you know they are filled with activity. If you've had toddlers before, you know they are constantly running, moving around, filling every moment of their waking hours with things to do. And there are times as a dad, I just want to relax and sit on the couch with my daughter and snuggle her up. And so I'm like, hey, you want to come sit on the couch and snuggle with me? And she's like, "Mm mm-mm, nope, I got things to do. And I love seeing my daughter play and learn and experience the world and do all of these really fun and cool things, right? I love watching it. I'll just sit and watch her figure out how to put the blocks in the different shapes and all these different things, right? And I love that. But y'all, there is nothing, there is nothing like when she finally stops doing whatever she's doing and just says, I want my daddy and crawls into my chest and just snuggles with me on the couch. There is nothing that makes my heart want to explode more than that. And I can't help but think this, that maybe this is how the father feels about us. This is the type of God we serve. From the very beginning, God says, here is this gift of rest. You don't have to do anything for me, but just be in my presence. God wants to continue to lead us back to this place, to rest, to peaceful streams, to slow, calm, in deep waters. But we have to be willing to follow him, right? One of the most difficult things I think that we can do when we rest is to give up control, right? This recognition that when you stop, the world keeps on spinning, and that's okay, right? That's okay. True rest is a submission to God saying, hey, you are the God and leader of my life. I am just a sheep. You are my shepherd, and I want to go where you are. Are leading. Another question for you to write down if you're taking notes is what is preventing me from the rest you want to provide? What is preventing me from the rest you want to provide? Here's what I want us to understand there are a lot of things out of our control, right? The world is crazy and stress-filled. There are lots of things to do. You've got school. You've got teachers. You've got coaches. You've got bosses. You've got parents and friends. All of these things. You've got crazy schedules. You've got to figure out how to get this person to there and that person to there. You've got to figure out all of these different things. And then forget like leisure time, right? Like who, who knows when that comes? There are all these things. Parents in the room, your children don't exactly help you with getting rest, right? If you work today, your boss likely isn't very helpful at helping you get rest, right? There are a lot of things out of our control, but I think there are a lot of things that we can control, and we like to ignore those things and just write up the excuse that, man, life is just busy, 
Life is just crazy, but it takes the discipline to follow the Lord and his leadership. We have to take a look at our choices and eliminate the things that prevent us from spending time in God's presence. We look at the things that we can control. How much Netflix do I watch? How much doom scrolling on the social medias do I do? And I'm preaching to myself here, y'all. I am reminding myself of these things that I need to take a good look at the things that I choose to put on my schedule and take inventory of my life and eliminate the things that prevent me from the rest that I truly need. Dallas Willard, one of my favorite authors, he wrote a book uh, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, or I'm sorry, John Mark Comer wrote the book from this Dallas Willard quote. And Dallas Willard writes this, you must ruthlessly... Notice the word ruthlessly means like you've got to put this at the top of your priority. It is not going to happen unless you dedicate time to do it. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life, the distractions, the things that keep us wound tight and preventing us from God's rest that he wants to give us. Continuing to relinquish our control, give it back to the shepherd, the only one who truly has control and trusting that God is going to give us rest. So let's continue. Where does God want to lead us to rest? And let's continue in Psalm 23. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He renews my strength and guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Where else does God want to lead us? He wants to lead us to restoration and righteousness. To restoration and to righteousness. These things go hand in hand, and we cannot separate the two. Often, we focus a lot on righteousness without the restoration, and we focus a lot on restoration without the righteousness. But as we partner with Jesus... As we surrender to his authority, his shepherding in our lives, his leadership, he provides us rest and restoration. He begins to change us from the inside out, restoring us from our brokenness into people of his image. However, I think often we don't feel or look very restored because we haven't truly slowed down enough to allow God to bring us the restoration that he wants to bring us. A good pastor, a good friend and pastor of mine, he writes this, God can't begin to restore what is broken in me if I'm unwilling to give him access to me. God can't begin to restore what is broken in me if I'm unwilling to give him access to me. You see, allowing Jesus to lead us is allowing him into every aspect of our lives, to give him access to every single room of our hearts. And can I tell you something that I hope you find encouraging today? Jesus has already seen the dark places that you often want to hide. That place that you keep secret from everyone else, that you don't want anyone else to go into that room. Jesus is already there, and he is waiting for you, not with condemnation, but with grace and compassion and love, not with words of hurt or anger, like how could you mess this up, but instead words of affirmation, waiting 
to bring you his restoration. And now some of those things are difficult, right? Some of those things, the restoration that God wants to bring needs others' help. Maybe it's a trusted friend, a small group leader, a pastor, a professional counselor. I don't know what it might be for you. I don't know how Jesus might need to restore you today. But I do know Jesus uses all of these things to bring us his beautiful restoration, to pick up the pieces that we've shattered by trying to lead ourselves and put them back together. But we have to be willing to slow down enough for Jesus to bring that restoration and then take those next steps. Another question for you to ask the Lord, is there any place in my life that you want to work on restoring Is there any place in my life that you want to work on restoring? Jesus will light the way, but we have to be willing to take that step. We have to be willing to follow. Because remember, Jesus' leadership is only as good as our willingness to follow. So Jesus wants to lead me to rest. And then we said the second part is that he wants to lead me to righteousness. So, I'm sorry, rest, restoration, and then righteousness. And this is super encouraging, right? Like Jesus literally wants to lead us into right living. Turn to the other person. Earlier you said you're created uh, by God. Now turn to the other person and say, God wants to empower you to live right. No, that's a lot. Take your time. (laughs) God wants to empower you to live right. Yeah. And we can't ignore this aspect of his leadership because this is so important to God's graciousness to us. We love the part about rest and restoration, but if it stops there, we've missed the entire point of why God provides us with his rest and restoration. God literally wants to enable us to pursue right living in this world to be his kingdom bearers as we walk through our lives. We are restored to right living. We get to rest and be restored in God's presence because of Jesus. But, everyone say but. Once I have been saved, once Jesus has come into my life, he's provided me his rest and restoration, there is a work and a right path that Jesus wants to lead me toward. Now, don't mishear this. Do not mishear this as it takes work to be restored. No, the restoration has already come. But because of that restoration, once we have received the gift of his salvation, his Holy Spirit now lives in me and gives me the desire and the power to walk on the path that pleases him. This is such good news. In Ephesians 2.20, It says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. In Philippians 2, 12 through 13, it says this, work hard. Work hard to show the result of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and honor, for God is working in you. And then here's what I just said, giving you the desire and the power. Turn to another person and say, the desire and the power. 
to do what pleases him. You see, Jesus wants to lead us into right living, righteousness. We work not for the assurance of, accept, of acceptance with our God. No, we work from it. We work from the assurance that we've already been accepted. We've already been forgiven. So where does God want to lead us? He wants to lead us to rest, restoration, righteousness. And then he wants to lead us through the dark places. He wants to lead us through the dark places. Psalm 23, let's continue on. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Kids, how many of you uh, were, were or are currently afraid of the dark? My hand is up. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the dark. To be really honest and maybe a little vulnerable, I'm 34, and sometimes a dark room still like, gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> right? Jesus wants to lead us through the dark places. See, often, uh, I remember when I was a kid, my parents, my mom especially, would always say, uh, what's in the dark is the same as what's in the light. That didn't feel right, right? That did not feel accurate. Well, I can't see what's in the dark. There might be something under the bed. I don't know. There's not, kids, I promise. (laughs) There's not. But... I will never forget those times that I couldn't get myself to walk into a dark room. I would grab my mom and I would grab someone else and walk into that room uh, with that person. And all of a sudden, the fear would subside, right? It's like, okay, I've got someone with me. I think this is not unlike what God is trying to help us to see. The first thing I want you to notice, though, is it doesn't say if. Right? It doesn't say if we walk through the darkest valley, it says when. Everybody say when. Meaning that the dark valleys in this life, they will come. I know it seems like bad news to us today, but this is the truth of life. What I found really interesting, though, is that some people think this phrase, I will not be afraid, is better translated as I won't give way to my fear. I won't be controlled by those fears. doesn't mean that there's nothing to fear when we are in the dark places. Like, we can tell ourselves that all the time. Like, me as a kid being scared of the dark, I could tell myself that everything is the same as in the light as it is in the dark, and there's nothing to fear in the dark places, but it doesn't work that way a lot, right? But it does mean that we don't have to give way to the fear in those valleys. Why? Because, again... We are surrendered to Jesus' leadership, and we can trust that he will guide and guard us in the valley. David actually writes, there are three things to remember in those dark valleys, in the trials of life, during the times where it just seems like you are in the shadow of the valley of death. David says, God is with us, God's protection is for us, and God will provide comfort to us. You see, God is with us even in the darkest moments and seasons of our lives. He is walking close beside you and me, not unlike the parent walking the child into the dark room, reminding them, assuring them that there's nothing to fear for I am with you. 
In the darkest moments and seasons of our lives, he is walking close beside us, all the while saying, my son, my daughter, I am here. And can I just be honest for a second? If you are not walking through a trial right now, I need you to write this down. Because you are going to have to tell yourself this over and over and over again when you are in the middle of that valley. I've been in that valley for years at times. And I'm telling you the first thing that the enemy tries to convince me of when I'm walking through the darkest moments of my life is that God could never be with you right now. Look around. Why has God abandoned you? And it is a lie. You have to remind yourself over and over and over. You have to store the truth that God is with you deep in the depths of your hearts and your minds and your souls because when the valleys come, when the difficulties hit you, when the trials happen, the first temptation for us is to think, God is not with me in this. But like David I have to begin to understand that dark and challenging times are a normal part of life. My experiences and circumstances do not relate to God's presence in my life. He is there with me. Jesus promised us this. He promised his people, hey, trials are coming. They will come, but take heart for I've overcome the world. David writes, when I walk through the dark valleys, I don't know what dark valleys any of you may have been going through right now. I don't know what valleys you are going to go through in your life, but I promise you, just as a shepherd protects and comforts his sheep, God's word reminds us that God is right there in the valley with us, guiding us right along, protecting us with his rod and comforting us with his staff offering his presence to us, which eventually leads to a peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of the storms of life. It's his presence that calms our fears and provides us with the confidence that we are never alone. A question you must continually ask yourself in the valleys of life. Where are you wanting to reveal your presence God, where are you wanting to reveal your presence? If you're with me in this valley, reveal your presence to me, God. Just ask and begin to see how he reveals his presence, protection, and comfort. Where does God's leadership take us last but certainly not least? As David closes his psalm, he writes this. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Where does God want to lead us? He wants to lead us ultimately into his eternal dwelling place. You see, David ends his psalm with the very end in mind. He writes and makes this powerful affirmation that in the end, all of God's enemies will be defeated, that goodness and mercy will follow his people all the days of their life when they surrender to his authority. David is reminding us, David is reminding God's people of God's covenant with 
them. That abundant blessing, his unfavoring faithfulness will always be there for his people. And Psalm 23 comes full circle. As we walk in alignment with our shepherd, as we surrender to God's authority and leadership, we can trust that his goodness will never cease, that his mercy will constantly and continually shower us with his grace, and that one day, everybody say one day, his people will join God in his eternal dwelling place, the house of the Lord forever, God's presence just like back in the garden. You see, there is a future beyond this earthly life that we get to experience God in all of his glory. We get to be in God's presence in all of its fullness. Like right now, we just get glimpses. But one day, there is a promise of God through Jesus Christ that one day we meet everlasting joy, peace, and communion with our creator. Again, just like the seventh day of creation where we just rest in God's presence. In times of trial, in times of hardship, in the joys and in the sorrows of this life, we are reminded of the truth that our journey does not end here. We have a glorious destiny awaiting us where we will dwell in eternal harmony with our good shepherd. Jesus reminds us of this again. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. What is God like? He's like a good shepherd. And we just talked a lot about where our good shepherd wants to lead us. And in his perfect goodness, surrendering to his leadership, aligning our lives to his authority. Here's the crazy part, y'all. As we do this, it glorifies God. It brings him glory. Our right living brings God glory. And it leads us to live the full lives that we're all desperately longing and searching for. Lives that are filled with rest and worth and purpose through all of the ups and downs that we experience. But remember, his leadership is only as good as our willingness to follow, to be sheep, in the hands of our good shepherd. Kids in the room, if you could with me. On the count of three, I want you to make your best sheep noise again. One, two, three. Matt. Sheep in the hands of a good shepherd. So this morning, we're going to make room together for Jesus. We're going to make room to surrender to that authority. And I just want to encourage you, really lean in together today. I know kids are in the room. I know that you've got maybe lunch plans for the 4th of July weekend. I know you're thinking through, what time do we got to get to this place? But just pause, please, for a moment this morning, because I do not want you to miss an opportunity to experience God's goodness and his leadership in your life. And so I just want to circle back to our questions for this morning together. The first starting place for you is, can I honestly say that Jesus is my shepherd? Can I honestly say that Jesus is my shepherd? If you cannot, his rest and restoration is waiting for you right now. Just as simple as saying, hey, hey God, 
hey, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and shepherd of my life. I need you to restore me. I surrender to your authority and guidance. Be my shepherd. Be my Lord. Maybe you already have been there and maybe something else to reflect on today. What do I allow in my life that is keeping me from the rest that you want to provide? Spend the moment, the next five, ten minutes taking inventory. What are the things, Lord, that have my heart that are preventing me from the rest and restoration that you want to bring? Is there any place in my life you want to work on restoring me? the dark secrets that maybe you've kept that it's time to see the light. One of my pastors and mentors told me this years and years ago and it's something I hold on to that sin breeds in secrecy. I'm telling y'all, get it in the light and watch how God begins to restore. What are the things, is there any place in my life you want to work on restoring and what are you wanting, where are you wanting to reveal your presence? And I'm going to get off of the stage and get out of the way for the Lord to do whatever he wants to do in this room today. So spend time right now talking with Jesus, being in God's presence, resting in this moment, slowing down to recognize his voice. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come before you for the surrender to your leadership. God, I pray right now for every ear to be open to your Holy Spirit, that we would be just like the sheep that you talk about in Scripture, that we would know and recognize your voice. So Holy Spirit, would you move? Would we surrender in this moment to your authority and begin to ask, where do you want to move in my life? In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Sent.